there are many parts, yet one body. So Paul paints a picture here that the church is not primarily an organization. The church is an organism. Church is a body, an organism. And every part of the body is important in order for the body to function correctly. It's not one part that's a throwaway, and he continues to explain that even much more. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hen, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So here you got again, there's not one part of the body that could be thrown away. So some parts are given greater honor, you know, because of where they're at. And, and some parts are weaker, but boy, what will we do without those parts? The eye is a very weak deal. You know, you want to really protect this eye. Something goes wrong with the eye. You lose the seeing, right? So the body, all of its parts are important, and it paints this picture. Just like the human body, when one part hurts, the whole body hurts, so is a healthy church. A healthy church rejoices when one rejoices. A healthy church suffers when one suffers. They're connected, right? And, you know, we use this description a lot. I don't know about you, but I've had the displeasure of slamming my finger on a door, on a car door at that, right? And it was, it, it was terrible. And I tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm completely convinced that the upper and lower chamber of my heart transferred right there. And my finger was dunk, 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 dunk. I said, get back over here. You know, it's like you, every, you feel everything right where the pain is, right? And so a healthy church responds to the needs, to the brokenness, to the victories, to the joys. So now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still the more excellent way. So Paul here talks about the different gifts, the particular gifts, not all the gifts, but just particular gifts that are necessary for the expansion of the kingdom of God. And he gives them a ranking. But we need to see that ranking in regards to what Paul is talking about here. It's not ranking because, you know what I mean, people are now ranked according to the gift that they have, but ranking in regards to the effect that they have for the kingdom. The apostolic gift opens way for the gospel to be preached first. How many of y'all believe that there's grounds to be broken with the gospel of Jesus Christ? That anointing needs to exist in the church, and that anointing then that makes way for the prophetic voice so that the gospel could be preached with authority, with an anointing, right? Not just a gift, but so that the gospel could be preached with authority. And so as the gospel is preached, the apostolic and prophetic works together, then it makes room for the teaching, right? For the discipleship, so that the church is not just listening to a good word, but so that the church will grow to be like Christ. And then the teaching of the word makes room for the other gifts, right? The healing and all that stuff. So all that stuff's supposed to work together. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to do with any of that. I don't want to do out without any of that. I want all of it. We need all of it. Anybody with me? We need all of that. 
And so he says that, but then at the end of all, he says, you know, yeah, I want you to seek the greater gifts. Seek for ground to be broken in the name of Jesus so that the gospel could be preached to those who don't hear. Seek for a prophetic anointing to break the yoke that people hear the message. And seek for, you know, the discipleship and for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be poured out that God will do miraculous things. But let me tell you about a more excellent way. I want you to pay attention. He says, this is great. Seek these things, but I want you to hear this. There is. There is even something more excellent that we need to talk about right now. And I find that incredible. Now, after he says that, I want you to notice the reason why he says it, because he wants to captivate their attention. And then he dives into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is still a whole part of the same discussion. It's divided for us so that we can, you know, understand and break it down and memorize it. But it's still a part of the whole dis- discussion. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Let's stop right there. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Many, 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 many years ago, you know, I was a part of the worship team, too. I'm, I'm including myself in this. Our worship team wasn't at the place that we're at today. And there were some instruments we were playing that we shouldn't be touching. <laughs> and one of those instruments is a, a, is a lovely instrument called the cowbell. <laughs> the anointed cowbell. And it really is a wonderful instrument when played right. But, uh, you know... In one of our worship sets, we decided that thing needed to be played through every song. And I don't know if it, we were employing some kind of Chinese torture to see if people really love Jesus. <laughs> if they leave, <laughs> we know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But that cowbell was getting hit like somebody was su- letting go of all their suppressed anger. like, man, that, that thing is going to be warped by the end of the worship service. And, you know, not just through the fast song, through the entire worship set. They're like, Lord, I give you my heart. Dun, dun, I give you my Literally, you see people like, oh, oh wait. It's like, Lord, we're going we're gonna to need some post-trauma counseling after this because I don't, people are like talking afterwards and they got the rhythms going Going to people like Pastor, I still got the cowbell. Pray, I need deliverance. It it was just, it was terrible. Let's just be honest. It was terrible, right? It was noise that was not conducive to worship. So are the gifts of the Holy Spirit when we don't have the right attitude. The gifts of the Holy Spirit could be nothing but noise if we don't have love in our hearts. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and all their manifestation, if our heart, if our posture before God and the people we're called to serve is not a posture of love, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are just noise. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have pro- prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
If I were to paraphrase Paul, Paul says this to the church. Look, let me tell you what the church is like. The church is beautiful because through Jesus, the church is one. Through the Holy Spirit, the church is one. And the Holy Spirit then, through that magnificent institution, that magnificent organism that is the church, has made everybody so uniquely, so beautiful. But it's all the same. We're all one body. And so you have all these different gifts, and they're all awesome. And we need to seek for the gifts that break the ground for the gospel to be preached. We need to seek the gift of preaching the gospel so that people will be saved. We need to make sure that people are being discipled. We need to make sure that the manifestations of the gifts are taking place. But in the midst of all that, don't forget the greater thing which is the right attitude, an attitude of love. Because you can have all the gifts and all the manifestations and all the talent, but if you don't have love, it's all nothing, and it's going to gain you nothing, and it's just going to be noise. And just, by the way, I don't want you to just define love by your own demise, because we all have our different experience. So let me give you a true definition of what love is. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It doesn't keep record of wrong. It doesn't insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It is not resentful. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is the defining attribute of a healthy church. Walking in love is greater than the operating in any of the gifts that God has given us. I want you to hear it. I'm a tongue-talking, prophesying pastor. I love me the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I do. I am, I am a believer in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I love them, but I do not want the gifts without the love. It's absolutely worthless. You understand what I'm saying? I want the nature of Christ, the fruit of Christ, the mind of Christ. And may that then, may that lead me into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, now that we have seen the scripture, it gives us an understanding of the way the body needs to care for each other and the way the body operates we look at that as an example of what membership means here at The Rock. There are people who are stepping up into uh, to being members here at The Rock Church. And uh, in, order, in order for someone to step up to, to that call, uh, it's, it's such a great thing for us, such an encouraging thing for us. But it also means that they're affirming several things. And I want to share with you the affirmations of those who are stepping up to membership here today. Number one, they are affirming this. I will be a functioning church member. I will be a functional part of the church of Jesus Christ at the, and this local body, The Rock. Now, those who become members don't ask whether they should get involved. You should have listened to that. Those who become members don't ask whether they should get involved or connect with others or give and serve. They ask how they are to get involved, how they are to connect, how they are to give and serve. There's a big difference between being a member of the church or a local church, or a member of the church as God called you to, it's a big difference between being a part of the church and being a part of a country club and being a part of the YMCA, which I absolutely love the YMCA. And I want to describe to you the difference. You see, in a club, a secular club or the YMCA or anything like that, a country club, members don't offer services to the country club. A member doesn't show up and say, okay, I'm paying my fees so that I can serve you. No. In a club, members don't feel responsible to set the atmosphere. You know, when you go to a place like the YMCA, you expect certain things to be there in place for you because you're paying for certain services, right? You don't feel responsible to set the atmosphere even when you have a bad attitude. Some of us go to the gym when we have a bad attitude so that we don't have to take it out on anybody else. We take it out on the treadmill, right? So we don't feel responsible to set the atmosphere. 
Members in a, in a country club or in a fitness club focus mostly on what they get from the services that are being provide, provided. Members in a fitness club or a country club oftentimes have a who's who attitude. I'm a part of this club, and, and you know, they kind of wear it as a badge of honor. And, and there's obviously good clubs, you know, things to be a part of in the community. I'm not speaking negatively about those things. I'm just saying that there's a big difference between a country club and the church of Jesus Christ. Church members, uh, church members know they have a function in the body that can't be left for others to do. Someone we, when someone is a member of a church, they know there's a role that I can fulfill functionally that I cannot leave others to fulfill. It's my responsibility. Church members know that the atmosphere depends on their attitude. Can I get a witness? A little bit too quiet right now. <laughs> whether we come with an attitude of expectation, whether we come with an attitude of, of gratitude, whether we come with thanksgiving in our hearts, you know, the demeanor, the atmosphere of the church is set by us. Church members know that uh, uh, focus mostly not on being blessed, but being a blessing to others. We're blessed to be a blessing. For sure we're blessed, but we're blessed to be a blessing. And church members assume a posture of service, not of consuming. My, my posture as a pastor is to have a towel on my waist that I may be ready to serve you. Not a posture of what can you give to me. Church members affirm that they will be a functional part of the church body. They also affirm that they will be a unifying force in a church body. The people that are stepping up to membership here at The Rock are saying, I will be a part of the unity of The Rock and I will strengthen it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, Paul speaking, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In other words, you've received the calling from God. It's very true. It's very real. And thus, because you received this amazing calling, walk like you got it. Walk like you got it. And how, what does that look like? Walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Humility and gentleness. You know, we need to do a lot of redemption about some words and the values and the uh, emotives that we, that we attach them. Gentleness is not weakness. To operate in gentleness and speak with grace is not weakness. But in the kingdom, weakness is not weakness. <laughs> because in my weakness, Jesus is made strong. Patience, right? And I, it says this incredible word. If you're going to walk worthy of your call, you're going to bear with one another in love. Now talk to me. If you have to bear with me, what does that mean? you got to put up with me. Why do you have to say that so? I mean, do you have to be so confident when you say that? My goodness, <laughs> right? you got to put up with me. What else does it imply? If you have to put up with me, what does that mean? Can you just have grace? you got to have grace with me. What else? Mercy. Love me through it. If you have to love me through something, what does that imply? I'm going through something. Now, I know you will find this hard to believe, but in the first service I said, you know, if you have to bear with me and, if, you know, you have to love me through something, what does that mean? Somebody like, like this, like almost like prophetic. Oh, it means you're annoying. <laughs> and then they were like, you're annoying. <gasps> well, I don't receive that. 
Well, that's not what they were invited, but it's the truth. If we have to bear with one another, it means we haven't arrived. And that's for everybody who's a part of the church. If we're going to be healthy part of the church, we got to give up our false expectations. And I want to give you a list of false expectations that I have and I've seen people affirm. Number one, false expectation number one, church members have arrived. There, there's, a, there's a Greek word for that, baloney. <laughs> number two, baloney, baloney's not Greek. <laughs> number two, church leadership has arrived. Not true. Number three, when I become a member, I will supernaturally receive this infusion of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I will be patient and kind and gentle. I won't. You know, I tell you that when people want to get baptized, one of the reasons they want to be baptized is because they believe that once they come out of the water, all this incredible fruit of patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness is just going to boom, just come on them like some kind of transformer, like something. I wish it was like that. If it were like that, we'd be having baptisms right now. Why talk? Let's dunk people up in here. (laughs) People just need dunking in the name of Jesus. There's no need to preach. Get that sucker underwater now, right? (laughs) I mean, why preach? It's not true. It's not true, right? Church, false expectation. Church members agree on everything. No, we don't. That means that we need to learn to agree to disagree and honor God. There are no hypocrites in the church. You know, it was hard for me to get over the fact that the church is full of hypocrites. It was even harder to recognize that I was the hypocrite. The church is is not just not free of hypocrites. All of us are hypocrites. I'm not ready for all that, Pastor. Let me describe this. All of us are on a journey following Jesus. And as we read his word and as we walk with him, little by little, he shows us the inconsistencies between his message and the way we live life. And there's hypocrisy there. And aren't you thankful that Jesus doesn't give up on us like we give up on people that we feel are hypocrites? Right? So we're constantly being redeemed from our hypocrisy. I love you. There are, there are no, that's a a false expectation. Here's another false expectation. When I become a member, I will not be offended by a church members. Church members don't offend. (laughs) I do not have the capacity to be offensive when I'll become, once I become a church member, I won't have the capacity to be offensive. And it's really this attitude that says, you know, the church is not perfect, but boy, is it really close. And it's just a setup for failure. Now, here are true expectations of church members. I can be and I will be offensive and offended. When that happens, I will walk out Matthew 18. What does that mean? I will talk to my brother, not to others. I will talk to my sister, not to others. I will try to resolve that matter and make sure that in all my doing, I'm not fighting against my brother. I'm fighting for my brother. See, that's the attitude the church needs to assume. I have a lot of disagreements with a lot of brothers, some pastors who see things differently than me. And every time we talk about things that we disagree on, in my mind, in my heart, I meditate on this truth. This conversation is not me fighting against. It's me fighting for. Because there are things that we can agree to disagree on and greater things that we can agree upon. 
Are you with me today? I will not give up on the church. This is a true commitment of a church member. I will not give up on the church when the church doesn't meet my expectations. I just want you to know it right away. Just like in a marriage, after the honeymoon is over, you'll find out how much expectations are not met. So in a church, after the honeymoon is over, you're going to realize the church doesn't necessarily meet your expectations the way that you want the church to meet your expectations. And here's a final commitment, and we're actually going to spend a whole series talking about this. If I'm going to be a church member, if I'm going to be a part of a healthy church, I have to commit to grow relationally. Let me explain what that means to grow relationally. Most of the times in the church, most of the times, the conflict arises not because people don't love Jesus, not because people don't love the Word, not because people don't love uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not because people don't love worship. Most of the conflict is because we choose not to grow relationally. What happens is whenever conflict arises, where if you're actually doing discipleship, conflict will arise, what happens is we look at that as an opportunity for look to look for another church or another gathering and another gathering. And then after you do that for so long, you know what happens is you lose faith in the church. But really what has happened is we have grown incapable of having tough conversations and growing relationally. Growing relationally matters. A church member makes a commitment to not let their church experience be about their preference and personal desires. I will not let my church be about my preference and personal desires. Let me tell you about my story here at The Rock. Solid Rock back then on South and Broadway. When the Lord called me to be a part of Toledo, I wasn't so excited. My wife and I, before we actually moved here, we talked to my pastor in Florida, and I said, we're going to be there maybe two to five years tops. He looked at us and said, you're going to be there at least 20 plus years. And I was like, I'm not receiving that. I rebuke that in the name <laughs> that is above every name. Right? I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not receiving this. Right? And when I came, I'm going to be real honest, I came to Solid Rock, and I, it wasn't my cup of tea. I loved Keith. I loved certain individuals a part of the church, but it wasn't my cup of tea. So when I came to the church, I was there, and I was there for a moment. And in my mind, it was all good because I was only going to be there for a moment. I saw Solid Rock as a short mission trip. It's like, Lord, you're going to have me here for, you know, a short mission trip, and then I'm going to go right where I belong, right? And I don't belong here, right? And then as I was seeking the Lord for directions, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do while I'm here? Just serve Keith. Whatever he needs you to do, just do it. And, you know, there were things Keith wanted me to do I didn't necessarily want to do. Hey, Brother Carlos, I'd just love to, for you to be here early in the morning, and then don't leave till later after the second service so that you can minister to people with me here later. I'm like, yeah, great. <laughs> I love being here for two services. <laughs> you know? It's like, <laughs> I was not so excited about all this. Right? I was not excited. I'm going to be real honest with you. There are a lot of things I didn't like. I didn't like the city. I did not like the city. Predominantly, there's no water. There's not as much water as I want to see, you know. I, there's not much sun. You know, I remember saying, good Lord, I know why the south is the Bible belt. Jesus, yeah, where are you here in Toledo, Ohio? My liquid detergent froze in the trunk, and I'm like, Lord, this is Ichabod in my trunk. The glory of God has departed. I do not understand. Right? I mean, it was just, I did not want to be here. <laughs> Didn't like the city. I didn't see myself fitting in. I didn't, the worship was not for me. 
the worship was not for me. The worship here was more Daryl Levin, third day-ish. I come from like Fred Hammond, Kirk Franklin, right? I mean, that's just, so to me, and I was a part of the worship team, and even that, I just didn't feel like I was, there were some cultural differences. And finally, finally, I had to get to this place where I said, Carlos, where has God called you to be? That's the real question. Not what you like, not what you prefer, not what you desire. Where has God called you to be? God only placed in my heart one truth about that. I knew that his calling in my life would be woven in, or his calling in my life would bring joy, peace, and contentment. But I also knew that the calling of God would come with grieving. If you're called to a local church body, whatever that looks like, there's going to be joy, peace, contentment, and grieving in that church body. One of my life scriptures, it is a life-defining scripture. It's a scripture where God speaks to Peter, and he says to them, Hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, I love you. Jesus says, Feed my lamb. Peter, do you love me? Lord, I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. A third time, the Lord says, Peter, do you love me? Peter's discouraged because the Lord asked a third time, Lord, you know that I love you. You know all things. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And he said to Peter, when you were young, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, others will take you by the hand and lead you where you don't want to go. When Jesus said that to Peter, Peter knew that Jesus was talking about the way he would die. And he looked at his brother John and he said, what, how about him? Why me? And Jesus had one answer for him. What's that have to do with you? What if I keep John until I come back? It's nothing to do with you. How did Peter die? Story tells us by the church that Peter was walking away from persecution and he saw a vision of Jesus walking away from him. He looked at Jesus and says, Jesus, why are you leaving me? And Jesus said to him, I must be crucified all over again. So Peter decides to follow Jesus to his persecutors, and he says to them, I am not worthy to die like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. And he died for Jesus, crucified upside down. Now that's a man of God. That's a testimony, right? And I knew when the Lord gave me that scripture when I was 19 years old, this is going to be your life. It's going to be your life. You're going to have great joys. You're going to have great peace, great contentment. But following me will come with grieving. It's the truth of the kingdom. It's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter where God has called you, don't only look at the highs of the call. Look at the cross of the call. Look at the cross of the call. Truth. This is truth. Or other than not being able to deal with conflict, like the Bible tells us to in Matthew 18, most people leave churches out of preference and not doctrine. Most people leave churches not because the pastor or the team is preaching something they're not supposed to, but because they don't like certain things. It's not a preference. Another truth. Most people leave church out of methodology, not calling. In other words, I'm leaving this church because I don't like the way they're doing things. Not necessarily because I've asked God at all whether I'm called to be here. Some people said, I've never even considered to ask God if I'm called to be here. I'm here because they offered certain things. But once those things aren't offered, the methodology, they wonder, why am I here at all? So we got to ask ourselves the question, why are you at the rock? Why, why are you at the gathering where you gather? Have you asked the Lord, is this where you've called me to be? 
Oftentimes I meet with people who come for the first time and they say, I'm just checking out churches, looking for a church where I can, you know, shopping for a church where I can be a part of. And my, my remark to that is, I'm going to pray for you that the Lord will reveal to you where you're called to be. Because if you're not called to be here, I am not the one who's going to try to beg you to be here. I, you know, e- even if you have all the gifts of the world, if you're not called to be here, we don't want you here. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the church already has enough issues. And we know that everybody has issues. Why would I take on more issues? <laughs> I mean, right? Every time we try to be a part of something God didn't call us to be, there, cre- we create greater conflict than we're supposed to. It's much healthier to say, Lord, where have you called me to be? There's where I want to be. Amen? Amen. Another commitment of those who are part of the church is a commitment that says, I will pray for my church leaders. I will pray for those God has put in my life to speak into my life, to lead me. It's important. I want to read to you a scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 reads this way. The saying is trustworthy. Paul speaking to Timothy, who he was mentoring. If anyone aspires to, uh, to the office of an elder or an overseer, or what we would understand as a pastor or a leader, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or someone who just came to faith, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. When I read this scripture, it's intimidating. Just put it out there. It's an intimidating portion of scripture. God holds those in leadership and in authority at a greater level of accountability. Clearly, the scripture describes that over and over and over again. There's a lot that leaders have to work on. I mean, here, just personally, some statements is live above reproach. Live above reproach. There are things we won't do, not because they're not, not because they're sins, but because we are called to a certain level of lifestyle to make sure that there's no hint of immorality in any way. There's sacrifices that need to be made. And I want you to pay attention to the Bible clearly says the enemy has set traps for the leaders of the church. You need to be praying for your church leaders. Why? Because the enemy has set traps. When people, let me, let me just say this. I, l- I know that God's called me to be in ministry. I know that God called me to be a pastor, whether I, whether I be able to be here full time or, or as a bivocational, bi- whether I have another job and be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor for the rest of my life. This is what the Lord called me to do. If he releases me from this, I'll do whatever he called me to do, Right? And so I love the ministry. I have great joy in ministry. But the highs come with the cost, a serious cost. Now, I'm not going to belabor that. But I'm just going to say, do you know that your pastors and your leaders need prayer? And when people criticize leaders, whether here or somewhere else, you know, I, I kind of have grown a, a very little tolerance to hear others speak negatively of others who are trying to lead and, and do things for the kingdom of God. It, because, because, I don't think I measure up to people's scrutinies. Now, people's scrutiny, it, it, you know, nobody measures up to that. And we only have to measure up to, you know, listen to the call of Jesus Christ. So when people criticize your leaders, 
Ask them vital questions. These are the questions you need to ask them. How often do you pray for your leaders? I know that we're talking about them, but before we talked about them, have you prayed about them? Um, how much, in comparison to the amount that you've talked about them, have you prayed more than you've talked about them? Or are you talking more than you've prayed for them? Before you, we talk about this, can, we, can you spend some time praying before you bring it to me and ask yourself if this is something really that I should hear? Oh, you don't know how to pray for the leadership? I'm so glad you asked. I got, I got a list for you. This is what you say. It's how you pray for your pastors and your leaders. Number one, pray for their spiritual pr- protection. Pray that in the midst of ministry and bringing people to Jesus Christ that they don't lose themselves. Pray for protection from moral failure. The enemy's trying to set traps left and right. It's so easy to fall into moral failure and to live in, 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 in you know, whether it be pornography or watching something that we ought not, whatever it may be, the enemy is setting traps. Pray for protection from moral failure. From moral failure. Pray that they would preach the word. We're living in a culture today where everybody's trying to, you know, cater to people's feelings. Somebody said to me, Pastor, uh, said, I think that right now what people are doing, they're foc- focusing too much on truth, and we need to focus on how people feel. I was like, bring the check. I'm done with this lunch appointment. <laughs> Can you imagine how dangerous that is? You don't have to imagine. That's what's happening with America right now. Truth is greater. Truth is greater. Pray that the ministers will preach the word without compromise. Pray for their families. Pray for their families so that your pastors don't have to stand behind the pulpit with a broken heart as they see people come to Jesus and their children running away from him. Pray for their marriage. Pray for their marriage. That as they meet often and over and over again with people trying to encourage them and encourage their lives and make sure that they build the right foundation for the marriage that they're about to begin, that they don't feel like they have no time and they they feel like they have no answers for their own relationship. After all, we have to grow in marriage just like everybody else. Pray that God would encourage your pastors. They need encouragement. And sometimes... We have to anoint ourselves because we're dealing with something so tragic. There are people who are broken, and we have to anoint ourselves and figure out a way to get some encouragement from God so that we can encourage others. Are you praying for your leaders? Those who are church members commit to pray for their church leaders. Those who are church members affirm this truth. I will lead my family to love and serve the church. I love to have my kids with me at church. I love when they're here and that they love everybody here and that they think of you and they pray for you. My kids, they pray for you. I love that they're here. I love it. I want them to live here. You know, we had some kids that dropped some communion right here. Praise the living God. I want them to have communion. I want them to understand what the blood of Jesus is and, and what the bread broken for them is. I want them to love this church. I don't care if there's a hole in the wall or the carpet's dirty. As long as they love Jesus with all their heart. It's not that this isn't valuable. It's that certain things are of greater importance. I want them to love Jesus. And I want them to serve God with joy. But I cannot give my kids something I don't have. Which means that if I serve God and I'm constantly complaining about the church, the best I could expect is that they will serve with a complaining spirit. That means that if I serve God and I have no joy over the ministry, the best that I could expect 
is that they would serve half-heartedly. If they served, probably they would leave. Hey, I, hey, Dad, I've seen you do this all my life, and you're not happy. I'm checking out. Are you with me? I can only give my kids what they see in me. So ask yourself, ask yourself, how much joy do you have in serving the people that God's called you to do life with? People who become church members or people who affirm, I will see my local church as a gift from God. I will see my local church, whatever that looks like, whatever that fellowship looks like, I will see them as a gift from God to me. Now, some people say that the local church are just institutions that aren't capable of making disciples because they're busy growing organizations. But I say that every local church in every corner is the light of the world. I say that every gathering is a place, it's a light, it's a beacon to Jesus. Now, here are the facts. There are all kinds of different churches that look very differently, but they don't cease to be the church. Revelation, talk, uh, the book of Revelation talks about seven different identity in churches, and Jesus identifies them. In the, in the Bible, the New Testament is full of letters that were written to local churches. Leadership has always and will always be a part of the church. Local churches, and here's the fact, local churches in America have resourced the Great Commission greater than any generation at any given time of the history of the world. Now, I thank God that I am a part of this local church body. And I say all that to say this. If you're seeking to be a part of the kingdom of God, to live and be a part of a church body, and live for a purpose greater than yourself, you've got to ask yourself, am I here for my preference or am I here for the kingdom? Am I here for his desires, or am I here for mine? And just to clarify, you're not an extension of my desires. You're an extension of Jesus' desires. You're not doing what I think I see fit. You're called to do what you feel the Lord is called, what you know the Lord is calling you to do. There are times here where I wanted to start ministry. I'm like, Lord, I'm excited about this. I know this is you because I'm dancing in the spirit and speaking in tongues, and I'm so excited, and the Lord says, awesome. No, it's not what I want for right now. There are times where I saw ministries. I'm like, God, I don't see what we should do this. It doesn't seem fruitful. I'm so tired of it. Please, can we stop it? Can we just bury the dead horse? No. And the Lord has said no. Why? Because the church... It's not just, again, I'm in the same boat with you. We're responding to the lead of Jesus. So today, if I can get an usher that will help me with this pulpit. We receive people into membership that affirm these truths. And I'd like to welcome, at this time, Stacy Stam, the Hartman family, Michael Williams. Let me get my list. Oh, my goodness, Pastor, your list is on the phone. <laughs> the anointing left the building. <laughs> Forgive me here. Give me one second. Anna Ramirez, Dan and Tina Martinez, Joanna Smith, Michael White, Robbie and Crystal Swicegood, and Michael Williams. Would you guys come up at this time?
Amen. Thank you, Lord. Oh, man. I can just go down the line and say how big of a blessing you guys have all been. I can go down the line and just speak of the joy. Stacy, you come to church ready to engage the kingdom of heaven. And you got this expectation that it's just infectious. You're a blessing to the kingdom. Anna, you're, you're a hero. Um, just the way that God... Can I, the way that God has just used you and your resilience as a, as a mama with four kids believing and having faith and your passion for Jesus is a blessing. Tim and Chevy, you guys are no joke. You just love truth and you love Jesus. I remember sitting with Tim and he sat with me and, and we just had l- a, a, a time together. And he was just telling me, I want real fellowship. I want discipleship. I want the kingdom of God. And I was like, well, this, this boy ain't joking. This, this is our first meeting, you know what I mean? He's serious. <laughs> Michael, I just appre- Michael Williams, I just appreciate your grace, your tenderness, your desire for the mission field to serve God and to dream great things. You're a blessing to me, and you're a good friend to me. Joanna, it's been a blessing to see how God's brought freedom into your life. And, and just you bring encouragement by just being here. And I just look every day how you're growing in the Lord. And to me, I'm like, man, God's hand is all over Sister Joanna. It's a blessing. Michael, if you smile any brighter, we don't know what to do with ourselves. <laughs> I mean, with this brother's smile, it's like your face is like, I'm, tr- I'm trying not to smile, but he's making me smile. <laughs> the presence of God is all over you. And we're, you're a blessing. You're a blessing here. Ravi and Crystal Sway is good. They are the church on a mission. The, the moment Ravi and Crystal came, they had this attitude of urgency, of listening to the Spirit. What is God saying? And the moment they knew they were called to be here, they begin to serve. With no expectations, with no demands, they just serve. And you're a blessing. Dan and Tina, you just bring life to the church. It's beautiful to think of the way that God brought you here to the rock. And now you've become pillars here at The Rock. You're a blessing. Your gifts, your encouragement, the life that you bring, we love having you around. We not only love you, we like you. <laughs> there's people we love. You know, and then there's people we love and like. <laughs> You're a blessing. Ultimately, you guys are a blessing to the kingdom. You're a blessing to the kingdom, and we celebrate you today. Would you stand with me today? Let's celebrate them. Would you extend your hand over right now as we pray for them? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, each and every one has been on a journey. Every person who's been here on a real journey saying, God, if you called me to be here, they've wrestled with some real tough things. They've wrestled with, they've gotten some breakthroughs. (laughs) And they've committed through some tough conversations they're walking out Matthew 18 they're serving beyond themselves you have poured out your blessing over their lives and they have poured out your blessing through their life they've been used by you to be a blessing to this church Lord I pray your anointing would fall on their lives a greater level 
Lord God, I pray your covering over their lives, over their families. I pray, God, that you would not that, that their dreams would not be hindered or tampered, God, but rather that you would stir up the gifts in them, that you would give them vision, Father God, and that they would feel a release, Father God, to operate in that which you've called them to do. Lord God, I thank you that you're using them, Father God, to, 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 to just lead the church in greater, a greater submission and obedience to your word. I pray, release the gifts of your Holy Spirit in their lives. Release the presence of your Holy Spirit in their lives. Bless their children. And we declare, no weapon formed against them will prosper. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will rise up a standard against the enemy. We thank you, God, for the unity that they will protect, Father God, and the unity that they will walk in. And we thank you, God, for blessing us with their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Bless you guys. Bless you guys. Now we're going to close here. We're about to move forward. But I'd like to say, if you could remain standing with me, some people would say, Pastor, you know, uh, you're going to preach a message on membership, but there are people who've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. What about sharing the good news? What about that? You know, some people need to give their lives to Jesus. But you know what I find out? That there are a lot of people who are not giving their lives to Jesus because they don't necessarily know if they want to be a part of the church. It's like, I know what the church preaches, but I know how the church walks. And I want to know what this church believes. And I think it's an incredible thing to talk about being a part of the church, being members of the church. Because it lets us, it teaches us the truth of the church. We're broken, but Jesus is good. We need to grow, but Jesus is faithful. And we're going to be faithful to each other to celebrate, to rejoice, to suffer, to grieve together. So today, would you pray with me? Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I want to follow the calling of God in my life. And today I realize that a lot of my decisions are based on my preferences. But today I want to commit before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to follow your calling in my life. I trust you no matter where you lead. That's you right where you're at. Would you raise your hand? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for these faithful people who have said, I want to I follow your call. I want to follow your call. Lord, I thank you that you will make clear the steps they are to take. And I thank you that sometimes some things are obscure, but that's your will. And in it, we're just called to trust you. So, Lord, those who have raised their hands who say, I say yes to the calling of God and not to my preference, reveal yourself. Speak to them. Affirm them that they belong to you. Affirm, affirm them, Lord God. And stir up, stir up, stir up that calling deep within them. That they would walk in the truth of your kingdom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? Um, I don't want to be uprooted anymore. Every time I go into a conflict, and I'm talking about relationally, every time I face a, a conflict relationally, I walk away from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship, and I'm finding that I have all these fragments of relationships, and I'm not rooted. I find myself rooted. I feel the Lord's calling me to be rooted. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? We need your grace to teach us, God, to persevere, to be like trees that are planted. Sometimes when, what, what does conflict do to a tree? When, 
when it's dry season, the roots of that tree grow stronger because it's looking for water. May that be the story of our lives, that in the midst of conflict that our roots grew deeper so that we would be stronger for your kingdom. Hallelujah. One last calling. You're here today and you're saying, I've not given my life to Jesus. But if this is what you talked about today is what the church is about, what you shared today is, is what being a Christian is about. I'm in. I'm ready. I want to live life that purposeful. That, that's what it's really about. I say yes. And I want to give my life to Christ. Turn from my ways and follow his lead. If that's you right where you're at, would you raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for salvation today. That begun not in our idea, but begun in you. That today you reveal your truth. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for salvation. That today you forgive our sins. You say, as far as the east is from the west, I've removed your sins from my face. You give us a new beginning and a new heart. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for forgiveness. And I thank you that your forgiveness and receiving your grace doesn't mean perfection. It just means that we receive the perfect one. Thank you, God, that it doesn't mean that we arrive. It just means that we've begun the journey. Lord, thank you for allowing us uh, to receive the grace to walk this out in you. I bless my brothers and my sisters who, who have come to faith in you today. Thank you that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that, Lord, even right now, you begin... You will begin to speak to them and, and, and show them your truth, God, and lead them according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. So may the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his precious Holy Spirit be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you today. God bless you today. Everyone, if you could um, get your children first, I just got a message. So before we get lined up before the chili cook-off, if you could go oh, and get yes. your children first. They're in the, uh, the young ones are in the third building, and then the little ones are in the first building. And I want to ask everybody to just hang out here for a minute. Just hang out before you move over there, because those who have chili that they're serving, they need to go there first to be ready for us. So let's give them some time. Let's hang out and greet each other here before we move forward. Thank you, Lord.